I forget to turn it off and he has to mute me so you don't hear me singing. The other half, I don't turn it on and he has to cue me from up there. Turn on your mic. Anyway, sorry about that. Hey, we are in this series called Hope Restored. Uh, and uh, as we have journeyed through the series, the one thing that's just become so apparent to me is, and maybe it seems this way whenever we have a, a, a particular topic that God is stirring in us, but no matter where I seem to go in the scriptures, uh, no matter who I seem to be listening to or what I seem to be reading, this theme of hope uh, seems front and center. Uh, we've talked about it a lot, but the, there is something catastrophic that happens when we lose hope. Uh, there's something about hope that uh, makes the ground of whatever God is doing in our lives very fertile. And there's also something about a lack of hope that poisons the ground that the good things in our life spring forth from. And so uh, the series has been... Uh, pretty important to us as a church, and the desire here is that you would have hope. And so we've used this uh, proverb that hope deferred makes the heart sick, and, and that proverb is just telling us that we all experience disappointments, we all experience moments in our lives where uh, things don't happen the way we think they should happen, or we experience a, a loss of a loved one, or uh, you know the, the list goes on and on. And in those moments, we need to learn how to navigate and have more hope. And uh, I'm gonna invite one of our ministry partners up here in just a, a moment, and we're gonna talk about some stories that she's experienced. And, and the reason we wanna do those stories is because it really does connect to how do we navigate life with a sense of hope. So uh, we're gonna do that, but before we have her up, I'm gonna read a passage of scripture and just kind of uh, uh, just use that as a framing for a little bit of what we're doing. This is Romans chapter five. You don't have to turn there. I'm just gonna read it for you. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. So it's a definitive statement, right? Since we've put our faith in Jesus, that's who this is written to, we have peace with God. I, I almost feel like it should say we should have peace with God because sometimes we know Jesus, but we live in it with a lack of peace. But what it's saying here is that 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 peace is ours for, for the taking, if you will. It says, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we also obtain access by faith into grace in which we stand and we rejoice and listen in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given to us, who has been given to us. What the takeaway from this before we get into the stories and, and listen to Christine is, um, as I've been doing this series, uh, my fear is that we project that this is easy, that we use spiritual phrases 
And you'll hear some of them, and they're true phrases, they're true statements. So you'll hear, Christine talk about taking everything to Jesus or allowing Jesus to carry or bringing everything to the cross. And those can very easily just be uh, religious jargon, right? And it could very easily uh, be almost defeating for you because you walk out and think, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to do that, but it's not happening the way I want it to. And, and so part of what I want you to hear is we understand that this is a journey and that you're gonna have to fight for hope. And so when you hear us talk in the next few minutes and you hear those phrases, you may have to say, I've already tried that, and I would say to you, keep bringing it to Jesus. Because sometimes it just comes in layers. Sometimes the the healing comes in layers. Sometimes it comes in a a full swoop. But but the other part about this passage at the end there, this is a spirit thing, that God pours his love into us is what it said through the spirit. And so part of what I just want you to hear before we move into the stories is just you have to allow it to be a God thing. You have to open yourself up. And I, and I had this picture in my mind as I read that passage of this, the spirit pouring into us, but sometimes there's just things that are blocking the spirit from flowing in our lives. And so some of what you're gonna hear in the stories will remind you of your own journey and those things you may be holding on to, like unforgiveness or, or just bitterness or something that, that blocks the flow of the spirit flowing and, and filling you with God's love. But that's really what we want. We want you to experience God's has said, his radical love, okay? So that kind of frames where we're going, amen? All right. So, just to keep her on pins and needles, I'm not going to have you come up quite yet, uh, but we have one more ministry partner in the house, Linda Dunn. I heard is here somewhere. Somewhere. Does she stand up? Linda Dunn is our partner in Ghana, Africa, and I'm going to... And Linda, you have been on the field. I don't want to... I don't want to make you feel... I'm not trying to give it... Yeah, Sorry. How long have you been serving in Ghana? 44 years. So we should all stand and applaud for that. That's great. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Bless you. So track her down and she's got some great stories. Okay, at this point, will you welcome Christine Bresser to the Good morning. So now you're just going to feel like a child when you talk about how long you've been serving in the field. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about where you serve, kind of what your ministry is, and how long you've been uh, also. So just for the record, we say ministry partner here because we have people who are serving in countries where if the word missionary gets attached to their name, they will get kicked out. And so we just try to not use that word. It's We actually have some ministry partners who hit me with a cattle prod whenever I say the word, and they've kind of gotten it out of my vocabulary. So when, when we say ministry partner, we mean missionary, but we don't say missionary because we don't want anybody sending out a text or a you know, Facebook post saying, hey, I got to meet our missionary in Kajikistan, and the next thing you know, they're in jail, right? So we just don't use that word. It's just uh, easier. So that's the code language, if you will, that happens within the context of church. So you've been a ministry partner for a while, and you've been serving in a particular place, doing a particular thing. So fill in all those blanks. (laughs) Um, I first went to the mission field in 1986. I was five years old. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, 
But I have been, so that's been 32 years that I've been um, in cross-cultural missions, and um, I have been, thank you. I have been in a number of places, mostly in Africa. I went to Rwanda just after the genocide in 1994, and that was when Grace first sent me out as a ministry partner. With and the primary role of trying to bring healing between these two tribes that had basically slaughtered one another. So pretty profound and difficult ministry for sure. So yes, so we were there um, bringing the Hutu and Tutsi together, church leaders helping them work through what had happened and particularly what was happening in their hearts and how could they as a church be the church again. I have been with LaRouche Ministries for the last 10 years. Um, part of that time was based in Rwanda and now I am uh, just outside of Geneva in France. And um, LaRouche has three primary areas that we focus in ethnic reconciliation. And so when we bring people together and help them reconcile, the next question is how can we make this reconciliation sustainable? And so then comes in community development. How can they use their own resources in a creative way to begin to meet the, the problems in their community that would normally lead to division? And the third area then, as these leaders rise up in the community, how can we help support them? And that's leadership development. The area that I'm primarily focused in is in debriefing. And for debriefing, we, um, we minister to both cross-cultural workers, the M word, cross-cultural oh. workers, so people who have gone, uh, people that would grace or other churches send out to go into these difficult places and helping them. We know the Great Commission was to go. Jesus said to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the other utter ends of the earth. That's the King James. Um, and the, but the question is, and what I'm focusing on, is how can we help people to stay? Because they're in such difficult places, because they experience so much trauma, um, it's not uncommon for people in those cross-cultural contexts to burn out pretty fast, to sometimes just not be able to carry the weight of what's going on. So the work that they're doing is to really come alongside them. It's, a, it's almost like a very specific way of, of counseling or leading them uh, in a way that they can deal with some of the stress and, and pain that they're, they're carrying. So. So um, people will come to us at our center in France, but part of my heart is looking at all of the, the local Christian believers that we raise up, that we train, that sometimes we evangelize or we pour into the churches. <coughs> but then for whatever reason, as cultural, cross-cultural workers, we need to leave. Maybe there's war. Maybe there is, our visas have run out. Whatever the reason is, we have to leave, and they stay behind. So they're in these ministries that we train them up for. What resources are available to help them stay strong in their faith, to stay salt and light when they're coming under fire in their communities because they are talking about Jesus? So what can we do, do to help them stay? So part of what I do is I travel to these places and I debrief local Christian workers and then train them how they can help other local Christian workers stay strong in their faith. Right. So uh, we had a chance to meet this week and you told me a couple of stories, uh, but I'm going to ask you to share the second story of... Abdi Salan. Yeah. 
that person. Um, and as you share that story, I think it's going to open up just some dialogue between the two of us. And what I want you to do is not only hear the story, but just ask yourself, what does this have to do with me? Because it does. There's application for us in our own context. Uh, my conversations even last night uh, with people who were listening to the story, there's just there's something for you. So even though this is a story about somebody uh, far away in another country who has a context that we sometimes have a hard time relating to, uh, there is something that the Lord wants to say to you. So just listen for that as you hear the story. So I met Abdi Salan a year ago. He is, I was in Ethiopia running uh, debriefing and training and Abdi Salan is a Somali believer. He grew up as a Muslim in Somalia. And when he was 15 years old, his mother sent him to the neighbor's house to fetch water. They didn't have running water at their house, and the neighbors had a spigot. So Abdi Salan took the bucket and went to the neighbor's house to fill it up. And while he was there, a bomb landed on their house, and it killed the entire family. And so Abdi Salan is just left holding a bucket. That's the, all of his life that he has. And you can imagine how devastating that would be, especially at 15 years old, sure. to be the only one remaining from your whole family. His uncle took him in, and um, he was growing up in, with his uncle and his cousins. And while he was there, the Lord started to come to him in dreams. And So let's just stop there for a minute, because I just think this is amazing. This, we hear this story a lot in the Muslim context where uh, Jesus comes to people in their dreams, which helps them to then cross that line of faith. It's just, it shows us that God is pursuing. I say to you all the time, but you know, the, the movement of God in your life always starts with an invitation. Imagine Jesus showing up in your dream and saying, hey, I am who I am, right? Pretty, pretty powerful stuff. So that's not an uncommon story, but still very profound and very powerful. So uh, he starts to see Jesus in his dreams, makes a decision, so yes, he, he, he eventually he makes a decision to give his life to Jesus, to trust Jesus. And as he does that and he begins to express his faith in Jesus, his uncle and cousins get very angry and it puts his life in danger because he's just converted to the enemy. And so he has to flee. For his own safety, he has to leave and he crosses over the border into Ethiopia where he finds a church in the, the capital city in Addis Ababa, and he begins to get involved with the church, and he marries, and then he eventually, he gets a job um, as um, a radio announcer. He has his own radio show with a Christian radio. Sounds like a radio personality. He, yes, he has, he has quite the personality. If he came in here, you would not miss that he was here. And, uh, and, but he very boldly is now preaching the gospel um, in Somali that is broadcast into Somalia. And he is very courageous and bold as he shares his life and about um, walking with Jesus to people who otherwise would not hear. But all this time he's carrying a heavy burden heavy weight and so you guys show up to do this debriefing and and you kind of bump into this uh if you think about even how i started there's something blocking everything the lord wants to do for this man and so share that so as much as abdi is abdi salan is able to boldly share the gospel his heart is still full of pain 
And we think and he thinks he, that we can control those things. We develop our own coping mechanisms sure. to keep it down. Um, we could, all kinds of coping mechanisms. Sometimes we eat, sometimes we get lost in um, other behaviors. Uh, Abdi Salan joked about everything. It was a way for him to defer and not have to look at any pain. But the people around him knew. They knew that they weren't getting all of Abdi Salan, and Abdi Salan was not experiencing all of Jesus yeah. because his heart is full of pain. Understandably, right? I mean, we can all say, well, that makes sense. A bomb dropped on your family. That's pretty tough to carry. So he came to us and for debriefing. And we, he was with us for the first week was just the debriefing. And the second week was the training. And as he started the debriefing, we take, we take people through a, um, a directed process where we help them tell the story about what's happened and then looking at how is that impacting their life? What are they doing with it? And then eventually looking at where is Jesus in this? And so as we started that, having him begin to tell the story of his life, he said, there are things in my life that I have never told anyone and I will never be able to tell anyone at all. And we said, that's okay. But as, you, as he's drawing a, a kind of a diagram of some of these things, we said, just put an X at those places that you have never been able to tell anyone anything and and so he did and as we were beginning to listen to him and he's realizing they are really listening to his story we're not we're not giving him advice we're not correcting we're not judging we're not condemning we're not doing anything he we're building trust with him he's feeling more and more secure to be able to talk about some of those things that he's never told anybody in his life before and so we help him to begin looking at how is that impacting him? And how is that particularly hindering him from really coming into the fullness of who God created him to be and experiencing God in his fullness and in the fullness of his love and the fullness of his hope and the fullness of his joy? So one of your talks is about forgiveness. And after he does his timeline, his, his storyboard, whatever you want to call it, um, he comes back to you and, and makes a declaration, if you will, and so you enter into that with him. So one of the, one of the sessions that we have is on, it's on, we, we begin with looking at injustice, and it leads to this area of forgiveness, but we look at what, hap what happens in my heart when I experience injustice. And someone has done something to me, it could be an individual, it could be a group, it could be an institution. It could be systemic, yep. And, but I still have reactions in my heart, and my heart is broken, my heart is full of pain. My heart might be full of anger. I might have fear. And out of those things, I respond. And usually, often, I hope my responses, and everybody, we all hope our responses are righteous responses, but oftentimes, they're not. We respond in anger out of the anger. We respond in judgment because we've been judged. We respond with, with um, vindication or um, trying to get... Um, justice done but we want to get it done in our own ways right and and so we're talking about this in the session with abdi salan and that it's the pain in our hearts that hinders us from coming to full fully right. forgiving we know that we're supposed to forgive but i can't i can forgive from my head but the next time i see them again i feel all of the anger coming up 
And so, so when you when we so what I went home last night after talking about this, and I just had this visual picture of that passage of scripture I read to you, where it says, "And we know that God pours His love into us through His Spirit." And I just had a picture of the of our heart, and like there's there's a block there, and so the the it, the love is still pouring, but it's just instead of pouring in, it's just sort of hitting that block and and running over on the sides. And so sure, we can still feel it. Maybe some gets there, but I just have the picture. Even I think of this individual that that. God is actively pouring, but there's this, this dam, if you will, that's just keeping the, 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 the flow of the spirit that God wants to give. And so he says to you. So he says at the end of the session, as everyone else is leaving the room, and very uncharacteristic of him, he's not joking, he's not carrying on with anything, and, but he just sits in his chair and he looks at me and he says, Christine, I will never be able to forgive the man that dropped the bomb on my house. Again, pretty understandable. And I, I can understand that too. And I just, my heart just went out to Abdi Salan at that moment because, because the reason why he can't is because his heart is full of pain. And so I just told Abdi Salan, I said, don't, Abdi, Abdi Salan, don't worry about forgiveness. Just ask Jesus about the pain that's in your heart. Talk to him about the pain that's in your heart. Profound. Just hear that. Say that one more time. Don't worry about... Don't worry about the forgiveness. Just talk to Jesus about the pain that is in your heart. So Abdi Salan went away from there, and we had our break. We came back, and we have, um, as part of our... Um, trainings and the debriefing is we have an opportunity for people to act out their faith. And uh, when Jesus died on the cross, he died for our sin. We know that. We can we repent and, and be forgiven. We can we repent and be saved. But that's not all he died for. When Jesus took the sin of the world on, his, on himself on the cross, he also took all of the consequence of sin, everything about sin, he took on himself. And so when, we, when Jesus died, he died in exchange for our sin, but he also died in exchange for our pain. And when we bring our sin to him, he exchanges that for his forgiveness. When we bring our pain to him, he will exchange that for his healing, for his love, for his joy, for restoration in our lives. And we know this, and you probably are there, many of you are there saying, yes, yes, I've heard this before, and I've done this, but I'm still not sure, or I'm still angry, or I'm still whatever it is. And so one of the things that we encourage people to do in the debriefing is to act out their faith. Because I know that it's happening in my head, in my spirit, it's a spiritual thing that's happening, but sometimes I need to put my whole body into this. And Jesus used symbolism. He used symbolism when he healed the blind man. He spat in the, in the dirt and he made mud and he put it on the blind man's eyes, not because there was anything magical about it, but because that blind man needed to act on Jesus's words in faith. That blind man could have said, that is just the most disgusting ever. 
who is this guy? I can't even see him, but sure, if I could, I would hit him because he just did this gross thing. He just thing. spit in my eye. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this what an insult in our culture, certainly. But he didn't. Instead, he listened to the words of Jesus and he believed and he acted out his faith and he went and he washed it off. And when he did that, he could see. So back to the debriefing, we know that Jesus has taken our sin. We know that he takes all the consequence of sin, the pain that's in our hearts. But sometimes we need to act that out. And so that's what we did. And we have a wooden cross that we put on the ground. And people can write on a piece of paper, draw pictures, bring a symbol from nature, anything that is meaningful for them as a way to act out that this is what I want to give to Jesus. And Abdi Salan did that with his pain that afternoon. I don't know exactly what it was, but he, in the quietness of his own heart, he went forward, he, he acted out what he wanted Jesus to take in faith. And then we, we ended for the day. The next morning, as I am, Abdi Salan is already with the group talking out there, and as I'm walking towards the group, I, he, he sees me in the corner of his eye and he immediately leaves the group and he walks over to me and as he's walking to me, his eyes are beginning to fill with tears. And he said, Christine, today I have just a little bit of mercy to the man who dropped the bomb on my house. Isn't that something? Very cool. Yeah, so the, the application that I want you to hear. So when Mel's leading worship and she says, you know, if, if you need prayer, raise your hand, that can be the act of faith. Like you may not even know exactly what you expect the Lord to bring, but that movement, when, when we close the service and I say, look, there's prayer people down here that wanna pray for you, um, sometimes you need to just put your faith into action and then God shows up in a powerful way. So for this man to, to actually be willing to pray, to actually bring something to the cross, I, my guess is it probably all didn't change in that moment when he's putting it on the cross or, or doing his thing, but that act of faith unleashes something. It begins a process that can be uh, so moving. So um, I'm gonna pray uh, for our ministry partner here, Christine, and I'm gonna ask you to pray with me and then I'm gonna... Uh, bring the service to a close. John, if you want to come up and play, that would be great. Uh, so, Lord, I am so grateful um, that we have world-class partners in Ghana and Switzerland traveling around and doing great things and helping people to stay in the field. And, uh, Lord, I just pray right now that you would continue uh, just to pour out your favor. Pray that you would just bless work of Christine's hands, I pray that she would uh, just find great joy in all the things that you've given her to do, that she wouldn't grow weary of doing good. Lord, we are grateful for her. We're grateful for our uh, decades of partnership, and we just pray that you would continue to bless her and that through her that you would bless many, many more. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Let's thank her. Thank you.
So I'm gonna read that passage one more time and um, I'm just gonna pray for us. And I'm actually gonna ask the prayer team to come down now and just be here and receive anybody that wants to come. Uh, my guess is that a lot of you already know what it is that's, that's blocking. And then, like I said, it could be unforgiveness, it could be, and you know, the thing that we didn't talk about, but sometimes it's somebody did something and I am harboring ill feelings towards that somebody. It could be an, an, an ex-spouse, it can be a, a parent, it can be a neighbor, it could be a somebody. Uh, sometimes it's that you've experienced great trauma and what you're harboring is resentment towards God because someone you love isn't there anymore or you've gone through some kind of uh, traumatic experience that's you know, supernatural. Sometimes it's a people group and quite often, uh, it's just bitterness towards yourself. That what, the person you need to forgive is you. And in all three of those cases, uh, that weight that you're carrying is keeping the love of God from being poured into your heart. So the passage says, hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so Lord, I just pray right now, just in this next few minutes that you would show each person anything that they have in their, in their spirit that's blocking you from doing all the things you want to do in them and through them. So we just pray that you would do immeasurably more than we can even ask, think, or imagine. We thank you for the truth of your word that says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. In me, you will find rest for your soul. There are people in this room that haven't slept for weeks, months, maybe even years because of the weight of what they carry. I just encourage you to just come down. Let somebody put their hands on you and just pray for a peace that passes understanding so that you can have rest, rest for your soul. Lord, as we just bring the service to a close, I just pray that you would uh, give our people the courage to take that step of faith, that act of faith, put their what they know to be true into action, that they would come and they would allow us just to surround them, to lay hands on them, and just to pray uh, that your spirit would move in a powerful way. Lord, I thank you that you are pouring your love into us, that you are the God of hope, and that hope does not disappoint. We ask all this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So a little bit different this morning. If you don't mind uh, going out quietly and then being rowdy as you want to be in the lobby so that those who want to be prayed for can come down and we'll just respect that. God bless you. Have a great Sunday.